You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where I have comedians and I guess artists. I have to redo that intro, but I won't ever. I always talk straight through it. Mistakes at all, because since quarantine started, it's really expanded to filmmakers, artists, and one time a uh, journalist who (laughs) unraveled the dark... um, What's it called? The dark money of the Cook brothers. So it's people who want to confess things that I want to talk to. Um, to get off their chest, and that's a roundabout way to get to my intro, but I'm excited to get my guest on today. We actually met in the Bay Area, which is where I'm from, but we haven't lived in the same city, even though we've lived in cities that we've both lived in. Um, (laughs) He's very, very funny. I'm excited to have him on now that we can do Zoom podcasts. He is the co-host of the show Bad Asians, which I have done an episode of. They're currently on hiatus, but there's a good backlog, so go check it out. It's David Nguyen. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going? I'm good. My energy is always way too high for these intros, and I will not apologize. Um, I... Anybody ever, like, matches your energy? Because I feel sometimes like I could people... never match anybody's energy. Oh, sometimes people clap. Well, but that's your... I feel like that's your comedy style. In a... It's funny. Like, I like that. The first time I saw you perform, because was... you're such a good writer, I remember being like... I didn't know you because I didn't start in the Bay, but I was like, oh, um, like, obviously... I want you to do well because you know how it is when you see a fellow brother or sister. You're like, let's see how they are. But um, I like that your energy, you start so, like that is how you, how you talk on stage. But then like it's zingers and then you'll just move on in a way that's like, I think works really well. Like I end up overdoing it and I have to pull back sometimes because I'll be like, I'm, haha, I'm delighting myself. And the people are like, why are you laughing at yourself? It's bad for comedy. It's like a dad. My humor is very fatherly. But don't you find that people uh, are endeared by that? Because I always feel like the opposite. Do you think? I wonder. It's interesting when you say that because when I started off, I do think there was like a, um, what do you call it? Like a a, a bias that worked in my favor because people expected, you know, a small little Asian girl to not, well, I say small, but I'm tall. But just the unassuming Asian girl to not be that funny, especially if I'm like cracking up on myself. So then maybe in a way it becomes disarming when they actually laugh. And then they're like, oh, haha, she also is doing it wrong in a way that works. But I wonder if that has to do with like some of the biases of the audience, because now I feel like I've had to at least learn how to hold my stage presence better. I don't know. Do you feel that like it's different, obviously, as an Asian guy, but like that sometimes the biases in the beginning, like before you were well known and people knew audiences knew who you were, like helped you because they expected like, oh, he's going to be if he's quiet or shy, it won't be funny. But then they're like, whoa. Yeah, definitely. I felt that uh, starting out and then for like many years after that. Uh, but <laughs> now I'm trying to shift it where um I'm trying not to be so condescending about the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why am I putting that bias onto them? You know, yeah. it's like, why am I bringing my baggage about how the world feels about Asian people and assuming that we're not funny onto <sighs> them, especially because, like, you know, you live in cities like 
uh, you're you're in LA, but like the Bay Area, New York, they have Asian people. Out oh yeah, there. Ali Wong's like from sure. the Bay. Like I think Constance Wu. I mean, not, I'm not, she's not funny, but she's also the the names that you hear are from all from the Bay. But like I'm pretty sure they've interacted with Asian people and they've seen. <laughs> Like they've had a sampling of them, like, and I would like to think that they encountered funny Asian people before. <laughs> so it's like, why am I going up on stage thinking y'all don't fuck with me? But because like I used to think that it's like, okay, yeah. well, this gives me the permission to do whatever I want because you guys have no expectations of me, hmm. and so I can go out with you know my style of comedy, and then they would enjoy it. Um, and you know, it, it does live up to the idea also because like with my energy, he's like, okay, they, they don't, if they don't <laughs> fuck with me, it's because of me. It's never because of the Asian-ness, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. this guy's low energy. Like, why am I going to be entertained by this? And then you have to win. I have to win them over with my personality. Mm. So, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that applies for all, um, comedians, but yeah, we all have a, like a start from a slightly different, um, the biases may be different, but I think if you zoom back enough, it's like nobody starts. I mean, if you're starting, like, you're already, like, I don't know, you know, influencer doing stand-up for the first time, then, like, yes, I guess that's an example of where it doesn't matter if you're bad, people are there to see you. But then that's almost opposite where it harms you because you can't get good. Yeah. So I think most comedians, even the privileged white, you know, ones that fit into the mold of what we expect historically for them to look like, they mm -hmm. still have to come in with whatever whatever the gap is from what people expect to what they are, even right. if it's backwards. Yeah, you said something interesting. You said, um, what do you say? Oh, the like putting that on the audience. But I, th I think that's very, that resonates because I feel like that started as a defense mechanism for me. But I also, you see it in like the great, I mean, the one I'm thinking of right now is like uh, the Bernie Mac, like, I I'm not afraid of you. But yeah, like, yeah. that is so iconic. But it is that energy. I mean, it's in mm -hmm. a different way. And it's, yeah, yeah. it comes out, it's expressed totally differently than, you know, me and open micer mm -hmm. <laughs> 10 years ago or whatever, doing it. But that feeling of like, everyone has that feeling where you come out and you're like, I want to do well, but also I'm scared of the audience. But also like, they want me to do like, there's this right push and pull but ultimately everyone wants to enjoy themselves yeah. you just don't know if it's going to happen so you have your like defenses up in case that it doesn't um so yeah I, I mean i think we go back and forth with like how to deliver your comedy right like you especially if you're going on um not first right you you get a chance to evaluate the audience it's like what kind of audience is this mm. and then you have to go and uh figure out whether or not you want to modify your comedy in any way to that mm. audience. It's like, do you want, like, everybody wants to be funny, but like, sometimes we want to be selfish. It's like, I'm going to stick to what I do <laughs> because this is my art. But at the same time, we're all entertainers. It's like, these people paid money. I yeah. should give them their money's worth. So it's that push and pull. Uh, and now I'm at a point where it's like, all right, I'm just going to do my comedy and uh, it's for them, you know? Cause like, yeah. cause like they've never experienced my comedy for whatever, for take it how that sounds. It's like you do, they've never experienced my uh, style of comedy from me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have to give it to you the, the as is. And so yeah. you can, you can decide if you like it or not, but like, at least you got a chance to decide for yourself instead of me deciding for you. Oh, I love that. Cause yeah, you wouldn't go see like, 
and like like and I'm thinking of some like iconic artists like Andy Warhol has a style mm -hmm. and some people didn't like it and now it's like become when you go past the point where you're new and that's just your thing then it doesn't really matter if people like it or not it just is your thing you know right. now I don't think people go like I don't like anyone right. you either like it or you don't and it's fine right. but before like when you're experiencing it it's like it'd be weird if he was like oh I don't think this audience will like me and then so he paints Rembrandt let's like but they wanted to see what the yeah, hype was. And yeah. like, they let them decide that it's not for them. Like, that's fine. It's like people who go, I don't like the Beatles. It's like, mm -hmm. all right. Like, they're still the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Yeah, you yeah. have your own opinion. Right, right. I but love it's that. Like, uh, you know, you, you can go to a restaurant and there's like many different styles. Uh, mm -hmm. Like somebody can like make a dish specifically for you. And they're like, oh, I enjoy this. It's like special because it's like they asked me about what i like oh, but then yeah. sometimes people don't know what they want to eat that day like they can't articulate it so it's like and a chef can just still make something amazing and then you can you know it's like oh my god this is like the best thing i ever had like i would never have had that if the chef didn't just give it to me you know wow i like that analogy a lot um speaking of things i like i always start with a good confession we got we got way into it already which i love but um before we get too far it's just a way to start on a positive note to get to know you um it's really like a humble brag i call it a good confession don't worry too much about being a full-on confession it's just um anything positive or something you're proud of something you're excited about pretty much anything that's use positive in any direction it doesn't even have to be accomplishments or career stuff but is there something good you want to share with me yeah uh my wife and i are trying to have a baby oh my god congratulations yeah thank oh, you i mean we haven't done it yet but like we're in the process of it so that's exciting oh that god. is exciting yeah, yeah. i well yeah because i know i mean it's always weird when you're like our friends with um the people i mean on podcasts we always like don't say names and stuff but um i know your wife she's lovely great uh i've worked with her and you um interview stuff for her magazine and I, that's very exciting to hear so um i guess pre-congratulations is what i'll say but and also yeah uh i guess i haven't congratulated you guys since you got married so congratulations on that oh too. thank you yeah appreciate it <laughs> and surviving the pandemic and moving <laughs> cross country that's a lot to take in uh, yeah it's in a year <laughs> to say I know. The least. it truly has it's been so I started this pod. I mean, I know you're familiar with it because we've talked before, but we've never really been in the same city when I used to record in person. But I started it because I, you know, I grew up um, without a lot of access to like therapy or mental health. And we actually talked about it on your podcast, but um, I really enjoyed once I started going to therapy, the feeling of being able to like talk about things, not always like big or scandalous, just little, you know, random things of like, oh, why do I do this? And then all of a sudden you unravel something. And so I, that's sort of like the subconscious like foundation behind it in a way where I was like, I also want to get comedians on and just have a loose, funny conversation. But I do, before we get into like the <laughs> loose, funny stuff, I always like to ask like, what's your experience with therapy? Or if you haven't gone, um, it's okay. Everyone has a different story. But what do you do to sort of like self-regulate your emotions? Do you have like a confidant you talk to or do you just like bottle up all inside? Um, just to get a sense of like where everyone starts from and it's always different. So there's no right or wrong answer. Oh, yeah. Um, so never been to therapy and uh, God willing, I will never go to therapy. Okay, that's a strong, <laughs> strong um, opinion there. Is there a reason or just from like personal or like kind of more generic bias reasons? Uh, so 
I'm very open to everybody going to therapy. Like I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of positive from it. Uh, I wish more people could go to therapy. I just don't think I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've, uh, I'm a pretty self-aware individual, uh-huh. and I'm constantly like doing uh, self-evaluation of myself. And then like, mm-hmm. I read a lot of, uh, I study. Uh, a lot of philosophy like I study political science so part of it is studying a lot of mm-hmm. philosophy and some psychology um, and so I've always been a very like you know self-reflective individual and I came to a point where I don't know how it got in my head but it's like I don't believe I'm owed a perfect life oh okay, Are, okay. Did, were you raised um, with religious or any um, sort no of like back, oh, okay yeah so, so, sort of you had your own blank slate to decide what you believed in uh, I, uh, yeah, more or less. Um, like my parents are Buddhist, but they never, uh, like I would go through the motions of like doing traditional things, but gotcha. like they never, uh, imposed a belief structure on me. Okay. Yeah. Buddhism is like, my mom used to say, which I actually realized like, that's probably not true, but she, mm-hmm. because that's what she told me, that's how I thought about it. I can see why she said this, but she used to say Buddhism is a philosophy, not a religion, which honestly is kind of <laughs> racist, not racist, but, uh, whatever the version of religionist thing to say. And my mom wasn't religious, but I think she said that because she meant it in a good way. But when I mm-hmm. think about it now, I'm like, hmm, that seems a little condescending. But Buddhism doesn't push it. It's not like evangelical in that sense. It's a way of, well, am I, maybe I'm wrong, but this was my impression growing up in the Bay because it was like, I went to a Buddhist Chinese school uh-huh. that, was never about converting us, but always mm-hmm. about just like practicing and showing the way and all the stuff that we learned, like translated to living a good life without the like being kind to others or whatever, without the like, because Buddha does this. It was just like, ah, do this because yeah. it's good. And then I would do it instead of like, Jesus would have wanted this. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but also feel free to correct me because I, I do have these blind spots. And until I said that out loud just now, I didn't realize how condescending that sounded. So I, don't take it back because I said it, but I would like to evolve from that thought. <laughs> well, I think you and I would come uh, both from like uh, the, the same kind of ignorance in the best way possible, right? Because <laughs> it's like I, I'm not religious enough to be able to like dissect the two. And it kind of sounds like semantics. It's like religion versus philosophy. Because if you want to break it down, it's like religion itself is just a, a philosophy <laughs> with a person yeah. or a figure attached to it, you know, because Buddhism in uh, i guess like you're not supposed to worship buddha like because mm. it's like a guy you know it's like yeah. don't like you're, it's not a deity you're right it's but it's the like, idea of self right and i right. think there's different I, I don't know enough about the religious practice i just know the stuff that like the teachers would tell us about living so right like, yeah yeah it's like and like just going back to like my upbringing it's like yeah my parents never broke down like the the religion itself or like the practices itself i had to like learn that later on in school uh-huh. it's like i found out like um buddha was originally indian i was like that's weird because uh-huh. like i've only seen him as as the uh, golden asian figure right <laughs> or like but you know a different so there's like siddhartha which we i remember learning about in school right who is like one buddha but there's also you can become a buddha right right uh again it's like uh <laughs> it's a whole thing right so if you trace the buddhism i went to the asian museum and you start off in like the south uh asian room and then as you go to east buddha looks less like indian and he uh. like slowly adopts more 
uh, East Asian features, kind of like the way Jesus, if you start, yeah, if you start in the Middle East, he looks more, you know, Middle Eastern. And then as you get to Europe, it's more like white. So, so it's just an interesting thing that we all kind of just adapt uh, these deities to have the features that we want them to have. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, it makes sense when you put it that way, but it also is like, we know that history, we are no, we're constantly evolving. So then when you said that, I was trying to think like, what are we currently in the process of evolving without even realizing? Like, yeah. so I'm like, who do our people, I don't know why I thought this, but my first thought was dogs because the, I keep hearing how dogs are, my sister's dog learned to open a door because he was mm-hmm. anxious. And uh, I don't think it'll be long before more dogs do more things like that and we love dogs but this is a really unhinged theory that's not actually a theory because i'm saying it right now i haven't thought through but i think because elon must just hosted snl and i don't love him but he does look like a dog in a not in a mean way in like uh i think the people who like him and don't really know what the harmful things he's doing. Ah, I see. He looks like an endearing, like he says things that are kind of like, bah, I don't know, I'm a cute little dog. And I get that part. Like, I see that too. I, I don't hate him, but I just think uh, he gets away with a lot of things that should be scrutinized uh, because he has like a baby face and kind of like says it like, I don't know, I just love space. In a way that I'm like, oh my God, our, our deities are evolving to well, he also has dog. that. He also loves that cri- cryptocurrency dog that has guy. a dog. <laughs> yeah. so, maybe that's what it is. Just kind of, yeah, but it's that mentality where the dogs really get away with a lot of things. Maybe like, he makes that same face as the dog meme. He does. <laughs> that's all that coin. Oh, man, but, we really went know, off if, track. But yeah, the Buddhism. If, <laughs> if you want to speak on like the evolution of people, you can uh, you can just take a look at like um, the Kardashians and how they have oh, an yeah. effect on the way um, mm-hmm. a lot of women yes. present themselves and like what their idea of beauty is because they moved away from your traditional uh, skinny white woman mm-hmm. into whatever ambiguous um, kind of thicker, uh, yeah, heavy eyebrows. Movies. Uh, and... That's even interesting because there's a erasure there too. Like they're Armenian, yeah. but like Ar- mm-hmm. a lot of people in America don't understand. What like Armenians people. don't look like them. They don't all look like it, but a lot yeah. of well, that's because they have a lot of, had a lot of work done in Photoshop. But Armenian... but like that's the Kardashian look though. It's yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. this ambiguous. It's what is this? Magazine. But yeah, it's a very car. Like you can only describe it as like that Kardashian look. But like ev- like so many but women. Not, but yes, it is. Because in LA, like I feel like. Um, well, that's the thing is, even in L.A., I remember open mic, not open mic, but I say open micers, I guess it sounds derogatory, but I just mean like these are just generic comedians who I, they're not bad, but like, I'm not saying like I went to a show, just like, the, you know, when you randomly start to hear like guys kind of punchlines, people would make, mostly white people would make, uh, like, it, was, it seemed like an okay target to make fun of Armenians. This is pre uh, the world being aware I see. of Artska. Which is like kind of crazy because it's like they there was a genocide before this too, but people weren't aware. So people were just joking about Armenians in L.A. in a way because I think a lot of um, the areas that are more traditional Armenian are very wealthy and they also stick to each other. So like Mm -hmm. people who were very white and away from that, but also live in L.A. have this idea that it's like kind of like making fun of Italians where they're like, well, they seem to be doing fine. So we're going to make fun of the fact that they're hairy. And you're like, got it. I don't know if anything is good when you generalize, but um, that was a stereotype for a while. It's just like wealthy, uh, like kind of like Beverly Hills 
like sort of influencer looking types with a lot of money and designer stuff, but also like stuck to themselves, which is, I think, Kardashian-like, but um, it is weird that we've also erased, I mean, they've erased it to fit in, but like Mm -hmm. we don't. I, yeah, people, they are white. They are, but then we kind of erase the whole culture and all that. I don't know. I find it very, all that stuff is really fascinating to me when we. Well, like, I don't know. Like, for me, like, Kim and, like, uh, I think it was Chloe and Courtney, those three are Armenian, but the other two girls are white. Oh, the Jenners. Like the Jenners. Yeah. The Jenners. They're white, but, yeah, like, they're for sure white. <laughs> they're for sure white, but they have, like, these Armenian, like, features. From plastic surgery. Have from plastic seen? surgery. So Kylie, it's like, Kylie and then from, baby. yeah, and then from them, it's like very uh, young people who were influenced by them are taking yeah. on those type of features. So it's like, what is this? Did you ever watch the uh, Goofy movie? Yes. The, you know the the cute cute girl and Goofy movie that he has a crush on? Oh, uh, yeah. She is to me what the Kardashians. I see. Do you know what I mean? It's not anything. It's but it's it's like a cartoony, cute. Like it's like. It always goes back to dogs with you, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, she's a dog. It's weird because I'm like I I like grew up on Disney, so I think that's why I can compartmentalize. Like, mm-hmm. no kink shaming against furries, but I'm not a furry. But like it's I, it's that line where I can see how someone might cross into it. But I'm like, but it's not because what they did is they distilled hot person features and mm-hmm. then made it appropriate for kids sort of by making it not a person but then mm-hmm. it's like we still know what you're doing so i feel like kardashians capture that like it's not about who who you are how tall you are what color you are it's just about being hot like, like okay. but they did like redefine hotness too yes. it's like yeah, you know true. curvy is in uh and whether or not you like that they get credit for it you know yeah there are, yeah, well, there were some, they, you know, foundation they are layers like j One of the pillars of it, yeah. I feel like started that. Nicki Minaj was around. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. They really popularized it in a way that broadened, like they didn't, in a way, taking away, like the erasure or taking away the boundaries actually mm-hmm. made it accessible to white people, which I'm not saying is good or bad, but like mm-hmm. when you get um, icons like J-Lo, who obviously was mainstream but because people branded her as you know the latino singer with a curvy booty uh it didn't necessarily make it accessible for young white teenagers to want to look like her because they think oh i'll just like the latina singer Mm -hmm. and there's this weird divide it's neither good or bad it's just the transition of it because it's almost like the erasure helped meld the uh erase the lines Mm -hmm. but then there's a weird in-between uncomfortable transition where people get into that weird appropriating <laughs> like gray area because yeah. they don't know where this comes from. They just like how it looks. Or they don't know where it's going either. Yeah. <laughs> but this is all, I mean, I, I always take the stance on in fashion a little more um, forgiving, not in a sense like, oh, let's forgive it all. But I like to be like, let's look at what's wrong now. And then kind of like what I was saying about my own thoughts and then evolve mm-hmm. because I think it leaves room for evolution. But fashion to me is always like, a little more like I'm like ah let's just like see what happens because it's aesthetic and less but if you take that approach it's like oh you missed it (laughs) that's yeah 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 I don't mean it like let's let everyone appropriate but I mean in fashion as opposed to being like here's a line if you're white Mm -hmm. you can never do this Mm -hmm. I feel that could be harmful for growth because then it starts to really stereotype uh, cultures I see but but if you take it from a let's actually talk about what in the moment of something offense, let's talk mm-hmm. about it and figure it out and go, hey, don't do this because of this. 
that allows for I just like want a world that's hot and I feel like generally yeah. speaking fashion comes from a place of wanting to be hot not right. in a standard you know stick thin white girl way but in a yeah. whatever appeals to a mass and people like and delights tends to be where trends come from and mm -hmm. sometimes people make mistakes and they should be reprimanded and suffer consequences I don't mean like let's right. ignore it but on the outside of that if we get more hot people I think it's a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> is this really hot take? I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> wow, I really derailed your therapy uh, background. But um, I just to wrap up your because I thank you for sharing the um, your your um, history with um, how you, you know, I don't know. What was the word? Your therapy history, your mental health history. I'm curious because of uh, being raised by Buddhist parents that didn't push that onto you. Like, were they aware of like sort of the mental health, um, like uh, in terms of like the more Western American sort of way of looking at like, oh, going to therapy or psychology and talking about your feelings. Like, what was that like with, because I think Buddhist parents probably are more aware of self, but I know also typically immigrant parents are less, at least our generation, less um open to going to like a therapist over a doctor um it's hard to say because like uh we never really talked about it mm -hmm. so like i don't necessarily know their feelings uh well I'll, i will say is like uh my mom probably is a little bit more open to it because like i've suggested her go to therapy and she's like i want to but mm -hmm. then like she never does uh <laughs> why, why did you suggest she goes to therapy just because like she's had a hard life you know like mm -hmm. every immigrant yeah, yeah. uh person yeah. should should go to therapy like i have a joke where it's like uh if i had the money to go to therapy uh, i wouldn't use it on myself i would check my Aww. mom in first nice. because like they need it more than i do they do i, I never really, escaped yeah. a war what do i need therapy for right now <laughs> yeah i really feel like the more that i go to therapy the more i'm just like slowly helping my mom you know what i mean because it's like the first layer was me figuring out why i was mad and then going she did the best she could and then going oh she really didn't like you start to understand like oh in order for them to have I, it all had to come down to me and they yeah. loved me that much right it means that they really had a lot to, to like like didn't start with a lot and then and then it kind of goes backwards where you're like like it goes from being like i'm mad at my parents they i blame them for everything to like oh yeah. my god my parents are children that need my help to emotionally become adults. Like, well, I don't know uh, uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm projecting now, but there's yeah. a sense of like going from me being feeling like an abandoned child mm -hmm. to me helping myself grow up to mm -hmm. me going, I may have grown up beyond the level yeah. that my parents had when they were taking care of me mm -hmm. as a child and then going, oh, I want to help. <laughs> yeah, well, it could just be for me, it's like uh, I, as I get older, I realize uh, how old my parents are. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, OK, well, and this could be like a, an Asian thing where it's like, OK, now it's time for me to take care of them. Yeah. And so but I just go and think about a lot. It's like, OK, so uh, the, the difficulties uh, immigrant parents go through, mm. it's like compared to what we go through. And it's like, well, I need therapy. It's like, yes, sure. But they <laughs> could they totally need therapy. Yeah. And so but like uh, I also joke is like. If I go to therapy, I get better. But if my mom goes to therapy, she gets better, then I get better. <laughs> and everybody around her gets better yeah. because it's like she went through this thing and then she has to like project that onto other people, right? So yeah. it's 
uh, you know, if you want to go into philosophies, like, you know, it's the greater good. Yeah. Um, you know, like you, you take care of that person and then everybody around them will, it's, cause like, and also yeah. you go to therapy, you're going to blame everything on your mom or dad anyway. So you might as well just expedite the process. <laughs> yeah. So like, don't yeah, treat yeah. the symptom, treat the cause, like oh go, God. go send them. So funny. I mean, yeah, I do, for the record, I don't blame my mom, but I think there were the, when I first started going in my 20s, there's a lot mm -hmm. to get through. And of course, yeah. in the beginning, when you're blaming yourself, um, especially Western therapists, like I had a white therapist, she would very much like, it's like, it's okay to not like be mad at your mom, but that would, I would push against that. But then it helped me once I got through that, like processing the anger yeah. to then forgive. And you, I think are some people are afraid, myself included, to like face the anger because we don't want to not be respectful. But it's right. actually respectful to want to get through it instead of pushing it down. Well, I think for like so many Asian Americans, like I talk to, and then even in, and this is not the best representation of it, but like you see it online, like with uh, you know subtle Asian traits kind of oh, yeah, yeah. ideas, where it's like it all goes back to the parents. And it's like okay, reevaluate your relationship with your parents and think yeah. a, think about it a little harder before you put yeah. everything on them like that you know because then by default it means they got a lot to blame their parents on which is true and then you go two generations back and you're like they're fucking like with a civil war but it's, it's like it's, it's like okay well like come on like we're really just out here complaining we can't be comedians and it's like yeah exactly like you think about like your asian parents and all the and all the nonsense that they put you through but then you evaluate your life you're fine yeah you're fine I, like I they as as parents they nailed it because of where you are in life, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't ever. Blame and them generally anymore. speaking, I'm sure like there's Asian people yeah. who are struggling, and you know, uh, but you know, you can't put it's, that on yeah, them it's either. Yeah, this idea of a greater good. It's not about uh, being an individual where it's like you took away my potential. Because like there's mm -hmm. always going to be things in your life, like down to like random strangers who cut you off on traffic and made you late to an interview, you know. But you don't think about that. It's just easier to blame someone you know. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I really like that way of thinking. It kind of, to tie that back before we take a break, like, into the fashion thing, it kind of is similar philosophy of, like, it's not about saying it's all okay and to, like, ignore the bad, but it's saying that, like, where we're trying to go is a nice mm -hmm. place where everything's yeah. good and everyone gets a piece of the good. But, yeah, let's address the problems as we get there. Um, okay, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll get your confession. And we're back. David, the time has come. Is there anything you would like to tell me? Um, I'm pretty grateful for COVID-19. Okay, let's unpack that. Um, what do you mean by that? Like in the way that you've grown through it or like specifically has there been a big transformation? So my dad died last year, um, oh, almost, uh, almost a week to, to the day. So his oh, anniversary nice. will be May 16th. Uh, I was living in New. Oh, thanks. Um, it's always like a. Uh, I don't know how to always respond to that. You know. No, no, it's okay. I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I that in no, like it, it's a me thing. It's like I, I understand where it's coming from, but like, what what are the words for like I'm sorry? Um, you know? I think you handled it well. I feel like I felt the same about my brother for a while, and I mm -hmm. think it also is weird to not. Yeah, to like like yeah. To I'm sure the story is gonna be important to know that, but. It's also weird if I don't respond. So then <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't mean to. Yeah, it's, I think you did it fine. Um, but I didn't know that. So I do want to express my apologies. But I also know that you're not here to be like, 
And we're done. Let's just, yeah, so <laughs> you did fine. Right. So uh, my dad died last May. And um, so he, he died of cancer. He was diagnosed uh, in November of 2019. And oh. I was living in New York at the time. Uh-huh. And so when he when that happened, it's like, all right, I need to move home to be with him. Right. Yeah. But I was financially trapped because mm. I, I had this lease and it mm-hmm. didn't end until July 2020. Oh, wow. Right. And they, yeah. they said because you had just couple... moved to or no, you've been there for I've... I I was there for like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Because the time is weird with the 2020 kind of put everything on pause. But I remember right. visiting you before. Yeah. And then you right. just moved there. Okay. Right. So, uh, um, and I had made trips out there like uh, early in the year of 2020, like when COVID was just like still a thing we made fun of, yeah. like very lightheartedly. Yeah. Um, we didn't take it seriously. Uh, and I didn't know it was going to be what it was. Right. But in, uh, let's see, I want to say, when did it really get bad? Like February-ish, March-ish? Um, it happened really fast when in yeah. the second week of March, like the NBA yeah. and Coachella and everything shut down. And then right. everyone was putting out those like, stay in for two weeks. Right. So, you know, you could like being in New York, like there was a slow yeah. ramp up because work got slower and slower. Uh-huh. And you started noticing things were getting shut down, like you said, with uh, big events. And then people are... We know you would have people come in and ask like, hey, how are things like, what are you mm. are you concerned at all? And, I'll, and especially because of the way New mm. York was hit, I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to live it day by day uh, mm. until something tells me that, you know, I have mm. to really be concerned about it. Because for me, I was just going about my day like it was just a regular day. I would go mm-hmm. to work, I would work and I would come home and you would try to do some comedy mm-hmm. and uh one day shows not getting like or people starting not yet yet. yeah not yet um but then when i went into work one day uh, i was told um yeah uh everything's being shut down uh Mm. go home uh, until further notice and so i got furloughed right and i was like oh okay well i don't know what's happening but uh if i'm going to be staying home i might as well be home in the bay yeah. with my dad who's dying right so i was able to uh with the furlough go on unemployment mm. and with the unemployment like that allowed me to pay off my rent because mm-hmm. it's not like they were gonna stop uh they weren't gonna let me stop paying rent uh-huh. even though they said they would uh it's uh-huh. just like no just yeah, keep paying the rent hurts. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah like the landlord didn't like send out emails about nothing it's like oh hey you know, we're in this together. Don't worry about the rent. Uh-huh. They're like, <laughs> give me my money. Yeah. Like, I know you have unemployment. So, oh, man. yeah, um, I went on unemployment and uh, I just flew home and then it just kept continuing. So I was in the Bay Area just collecting unemployment until like through my dad's passing and then through mm-hmm. July when um, I could break my uh, or end the lease, like not mm-hmm. renew my lease. So it's like, I don't know if without COVID happening, I would have been able to do that financially. Mm. And I got to spend like, you know, an extra couple of months with my dad uh, because he was moved into my older sister's house. Uh And that's where I was crashing throughout the uh, early part of last year. So it was like, yes, this thing that affected the world greatly uh, and people died um, and people are still dying and we still haven't really seen the effects of it. 
you know, mm-hmm. like what what's post COVID gonna be like? Um, and it disrupted a lot of people. People lost their jobs. People went through a lot of difficulties because you hear about mm-hmm. like domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a multitude of issues that uh, we have to work through. But like for me, it's like, oh, well, if this thing didn't happen, then mm-hmm. I would have completely not been there while my dad uh, wasted away. So it's like I can't help but feel grateful for it. Yeah, yeah, I I like that because you don't. It doesn't. You're not saying like when you explain it in context. It it. I, I understand the urge to want to like add the disclaimers because it can feel like you know. Oh, I don't want to be insensitive because it's caused a lot of um, difficulties. But the reality is, it's like you said, it's globally causing a lot of difficulties right. in a way that's like the rest of the world doesn't stop. Like mm-hmm. hard things don't stop. Like other right. people who were going on unemployment before still are unemployed, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, cancer doesn't stop. So it's what you're saying. You're not grateful that this happened in because you're glad all the bad stuff happened, but you're like mm-hmm. the timing of it ended up giving you this chance, which right. I think is like really beautiful because it's still very hard to deal with that, especially, you know, you're, as an adult, it's it's sometimes hard to be with your parents when work and things are happening, even, you know, during normal times, but to have a chance to really spend that time, I think is, uh, yeah, especially with like, especially with COVID, like you're locked down. So it's like, it's not like I was in the Bay and then I was out and about throughout the day doing things, going to shows, Mm -hmm. like going out to eat, hang out with friends. It's like, oh, I was locked down with my dad. So were you able to like spend quality time? Like what? Like I don't know how close you and your dad were before, but I I know sometimes like as adults, like having these more adult conversations as you have lived away and then come back together. Were you able to sort of like sort of like see a new part, a new version of your dad? You know, like spending time with him, or is it sort of just like I don't know if this makes sense. Like sometimes, do you know what I mean? Like you're a kid and then you have mm-hmm. this relationship and then you grow mm-hmm. up and then you kind of have these new sort of like adult conversations um has did your relationship sort of evolve together as you guys spent more time or what what was it like being able to spend so much time with him as an adult um i think you uh you just appreciate the time not necessarily mm-hmm. like um you just appreciate like the the quality of the time and not necessarily like oh we're we have a new dynamic in our relationship mm-hmm. i didn't really evaluate it like that uh the, like the the conversations do change where it's like you should buy a house here <sighs> you know like uh-huh. it, it's that kind of stuff but like i guess he he always talked about that with me too as a child because like as the oldest son you were expected to take care of the parents uh-huh. so i just remember it's like uh remember to take care of me it's like Aww. and then like buy a house here it's like that's more or less the same thing right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know, we just spent a lot of time uh, doing what, uh, how our relationship always was. We would watch TV. He Aww. would joke around. We would play cards, things like that. Oh, that's nice. Um, but he, I think, uh, would still, he kept the same energy throughout. So oh, his cool. thing was like he didn't want people to worry. Mm-hmm. So he didn't tell his girlfriend he had cancer. He didn't tell his brothers and oh, sisters man. back home in Vietnam he had cancer <gasps> because he was convinced that he was going to beat it. Oh, gotcha. He's like, I have 50 more years at least. <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. okay. And like when a doctor tells you, it's like you have six months left, that doesn't, you, uh, for me, I couldn't conceptualize six yeah, months. True. It's like, no, no, no. He has at least two or three years. But no, yeah. like that six months, like those doctors nailed it. Wow. So, 
Uh, but like you know, the the time we spent together, a lot of it was like uh, he was so tired because mm. of what cancer does to a person's body, and you like when you hear about cancer, uh, unless you like, and you you see it on TV, it's not the it's not the same as like witnessing it like happen, mm. because it's like it's it's a slow process, you know, like them losing all this weight, losing all this hair. Just like uh, being tired all the time, where it's not like you sat up and like have all these fun conversations and yeah, yeah. reconnecting and getting to know life and like, you know, squeezing every ounce of like precious time out of them. Like, you know, cherish these moments because you'll never get them back kind it's of thing. Just it's being like, around and almost yeah. just like being normal. Yeah. Again, yeah, it's like a, it's a day to day thing. And uh, even if a person like uh, I, I'm sure everybody um grapples with like their mortality differently you know like denial or acceptance or what have you but yeah for for the most part it's just like oh today's a day you know mm. and like looking back there were like signs uh, up the like the last two weeks his health really deteriorated right mm. and but like i didn't consider that as like oh it's it's happening soon yeah you know i was well, like that's oh. probably a good thing because yeah. then you want you don't want the end to be full of work if you know in some way that it's happening you still want every day that you are with him to feel like a day you're with him not a day you're yeah but i, I mean i only because like i'll just say like the last two weeks is like no like one day didn't feel different to me than the other other than like oh he's a little bit more tired today mm. it's like oh he's struggling a little bit harder today it's like oh like there was one day where like things got really bad because mm-hmm. i think um we had this hospice care and they're cool, but they're not the best uh, either because they're kind of like on call. And okay. so when like things happen, they're like, yeah, um, I think on their end, it's like, yeah, he has cancer. What do you think is going to happen? You know, <laughs> but it's like, uh, hey, my dad is like experiencing like, you know, he can't breathe or he's having stomach pains. It's like, yeah, just increase the um, the pain medication. And but like one time we increased the pain medication and like it caused him to like have like an episode where like he couldn't remember, you know, because like when you're frail and you're going through all these changes in your body, uh, I think the medication can like really mess you up. So like uh, he he had like this short term memory loss and it kind of freaked everybody out. Yeah. But then like the next day he was like, I'm fine again. Yeah. That's uh, hard. I'm so sorry. I mean, it's yeah, it's in. Did he have any idea? Like you said, you guys didn't have any idea, which makes sense. Like if you're spending time with him and it's slow and gradual, it's not like movies where, you know, you cut mm-hmm. to the last moment. Mm-hmm. But um, tor- like, did he feel like when it was time to go that he could sense it? Um, cause, or it was sort of just like. No, I think one. he was like, again, he was a very uh, religious person. And so he had this like, uh, I think, faith that he was really going to pull through it. Because even though. I don't know. I, it's hard to say because we didn't like he he wouldn't let you know, hmm. you know. So because I remember like sitting in the doctor's room and when the doctor said, like, listen, we're not going to do any more treatments for you. Like it's stage four and there's nothing more we can do for you. Um, he's like, yeah, I understand. You know, it's like when my time comes, it it's come. Hmm. It's like, OK. But then like when you get home, it's like, ah, don't worry. It's like, again, like 20, 50 more years. Easy. So it's hard to like really gauge yeah. what was going through his brain, but I'm pretty sure he had a, a sense of it because it's like, because when you go through these things, it's like this sucks, and like every day looking back, it's like, oh yeah, the 
the next day sucked more than the previous day. And, like, I could witness it retrospectively, but, like, he was going through it. So I'm pretty sure something was he was conscious of it. But, like, you don't really know when you're like it's going to happen, you know, because when he died, it was pretty sudden. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's not like it's like everybody around me. As I <laughs> like, well, I want to say goodbye. About, I think it's d- different, also, whatever your spiritual practice is. It sounds like he was very like um, present and calm with you, which is good because it's like it doesn't sound like he was living in fear, which I think is like you don't want the you know it's always scary, but I think right. especially for the person going through it, um, to have those last days be full of fear is probably not the best way to spend it. So it sounds like that wasn't the case. But sometimes you hear about people like just getting the feeling because they start seeing visions, which um, I think is interesting. I don't know. I don't know much about, like, you know, I haven't researched enough, mostly just hearing from, like, Mm -hmm. random documentaries. But that's always been interesting to me where people get really calm and peaceful at the end, like almost like in a, a, like, very, like, understanding way. So, Well, um, it used to be, like, his Buddhist belief, too. Like, mm -hmm. they have a different kind of understanding of life and death. It's not like um, Like you're... Yeah, like it's not your your traditional uh, Judeo-Christian Abrahamic kind of religions. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, this is just one stage. Now I'm going to the next stage in life. And yeah. uh, for his like girlfriend and for my aunt. Um, yeah, I was gonna so ask. They, so did he never? So did he ever tell them? Yeah, they that they uh, eventually uh, they found out. Oh my gosh! Um, oh, oh my gosh! Uh, like okay. uh, his girlfriend found out like just like. The, a day or two before and his his cousin which is like his sister because like they kind of immigrated over here together hmm. uh she found out like the last day because like i'm gonna visit you something's going on and then like when she they saw him yeah so when they saw him like they got so sad because it's like they were not expecting that you know because he yeah. was hiding it damn so yeah um but like they, they got would, to see him Maybe they got to see him like the day before he died wow um, and so, you know, after that, they would constantly ask me, like, like, have you been dreaming about him? Like, has he been appearing to you in your dreams? Because evidently, like, that's a thing where it's like the spirit. Yeah, like, have you? Yeah, I uh, dreamed about him a couple of times. Oh, but like nice. my older sister, she has not because I think she's taking it the hardest. Mm-hmm. And so they say that, uh, oh, yeah, she, she's just not ready yet. Gotcha. Like he'll appear to her when she's ready. Yeah, but like for it's... me, it happened pretty quickly. It's like, oh okay. Oh. I think my younger, my youngest sister, she experienced it first because she was with him when it happened. Wow, how old is your younger sister? She's like thirty. Let's oh, see, okay. Thirty-two. I was imagining like a <laughs> child. Yeah, <laughs> we always do. <laughs> yeah, right. When you yeah, say yeah. That's really beautiful. I mean, it is so hard, but like it is, like you said, it is this. Um, especially if you believe in like mm-hmm. sort of the spiritual. Uh, like it's just one stage of life but it doesn't make it in the moment it's still hard but you understand the big picture which well i think if like you believe in like heaven or hell it's like it's there's more anxiety attached to it yeah sure where am i going did i get in yeah but if you're like there's that my energy is going on yeah it's interesting that your um that his girlfriend and uh cousin came right before like Mm -hmm. i think there's something really serendipitous about that i I don't know. I feel like people, it does really speak to like the connection we feel because there is a sense of, it's not like in a magical way, but sometimes like, a okay, sometimes you get a feeling and you're like, mm-hmm. I'll put it on snooze for a bit. And, right. a bit and then eventually you're like, trust your gut. And at yeah. any point you could be like, nah, 
but you're going to just trust your gut and show up. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I find that like that's happened twice to me in a way where I'm like, eh, you know, like it's, these things happen. You never know. Cause you also hear about people being like one day too late, but like yeah. my grandma, she was old and she had pancreatic cancer, but she actually just died from old age is the wild thing. It's like the cancer didn't even finish. Like she was like strong enough and just, uh -huh. old. but the weekend she was like in the hospital in San Diego, my, um, I was supposed to go to bachelorette in the Bay or, and my mom was like, got a call and she's like, I'm going to go down and see her. But like, you guys just come a few days later. But then I was like, I got a feeling and I was like, I don't know. And she's like, it's up to yeah. you. And of course, nobody wants to say like, you should, because it's like, yeah, it's weird to be like, if you come to say goodbye and then they're fine. Like nobody uh -huh. wants to say that. It's like, yeah, we all want more days, but like, it's weird to be like, miss your thing. And then she's uh -huh. still alive. Like it's uh. just a strange thing to do. Right. So everyone's like, do whatever you want. But I yeah. I'm gonna go and then right. it was literally the last night like we went down saw her and then that next morning she passed and it was like wow like and that maybe it's because uh, of uh, the bachelorette party was involved it's like see dying grandma or bachelorette party <laughs> like, I'd, rather, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather skip the bachelorette yeah it's like how would i want to tell this story if like the worst case scenario <laughs> happened yeah totally that's how i usually see it is like there's nothing wrong with seeing someone more than once like I, it's funny to say that to be like oh but what if they don't die but it's like then they don't like yeah. it's, <laughs> that's great yeah. like, so yeah that and then with my brother, it was the same. It was literally the night, like literally mm -hmm. the night before. Cause he, I mean, he was in a different situation cause he was like very out of it and mm -hmm. um, mentally um, in a different place. But I wasn't so aware of how far he was, but I had that feeling like when, I think you just feel when something's off, like energy wise, yeah. like mm -hmm. the rest of the family might be trying to like deny it, but you can tell when the balance is off and people are like, no, it's fine or whatever. But then I was like, I literally like just didn't get on my flight and just drove up instead. And it was like that night I saw him. Right. But I do think um, it is, yeah, there's something really nice to be able to see them. Even if it's hard, it does help to be able to spend that last time with them. I mean, yeah. And just to circle back to like with uh, the benefits of therapy is like, you know, uh, whether or not uh, therapy, um, I think, uh, but like the best thing about therapy is like you you are given these tools in which like mm -hmm. you can uh, maybe uh, cope or manage whatever is happening in your life emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even if like say you you don't uh, necessarily apply the tools, at least you have them. Yeah, and, true. And and it may not be useful for you, but like hey, it's like at least you're like oh like something is not what it, I think it ought to be. So let's, uh, um, mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'm not the person to investigate this, but like I can like at least see the signals or see the signs and like point that person in like the proper direction. Because yeah. like growing up without, like uh, I, I grew up like um, no one taught me anything. You know, it's like I learned so much through television where that kind of warped my sense of reality. And like uh -huh. now after the 90s. Yeah, now I have to unlearn everything I learned about from television because it's like none of that was real. Like I'm so upset about that. <laughs> but um, the '90s were really bad about therapy too because it was always a punchline to be like, 
you yeah. need to go. Or be like, I'm going to therapy. It's like, right. <gasps> why? I thought you were fine. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's not even like uh, the the that specifically. I meant like everything in uh, life. Like, uh, sure. remember in the 90s where like Brussels sprouts, ill. Like it's. Yeah. So <laughs> and then you I've grow. never eaten a Brussels sprout as yeah. an adult. Like it wasn't a thing that my mom cooked. For me. <laughs> yeah, mine either. But like I knew it was like the worst thing in the world yeah, as a yeah. child. And then when you have it, it's like. <laughs> Like fucking TV lied to me. Yeah, it was like pretty good. I love. I love it's the fine. Yeah, it's like a cabbage. No one told me it was just a tiny cabbage. It's a tiny cabbage. Yeah. So it's just that with everything. Like I, when I find out about things, like oh, yeah. I, I really shouldn't have listened to TV. Like people told me to, but I didn't know better because no one gave me like these, yeah, the tools to function in life. And like you know, that's one thing about therapy is like, for me, like I see the benefits. It's like oh, you're just giving people. More tools so that mm-hmm. they can like understand life better. More information. In yeah, a way, what you're doing as a comedian and writer is like we don't realize that because we just kind of go on to express ourselves because we want to. But then, for the next generation, like when what you didn't have growing up, the, um, yeah. being represented, now they can watch you and hear your point of view and mm-hmm. what you've learned. And you talk about stuff like, oh, I didn't know about Brussels sprouts, but now someone watching you growing up does so you're kind of like creating this like positive feedback loop by addressing uh instead of like continuing a cycle of um negativity like you're actually learning and then like passing that back which i think is really cool yeah it's like uh the the best thing we could hope is like uh, to pass on to like future generations just like information yeah and like and you know correct information or however you want to define that right it's like at the least tools just, to question too, because yeah, it's like right. when you say things like, "Oh, I had to relearn things," instead of saying like, "Then this is the absolute right way now," you're yeah. giving people future generations the knowledge of like, "Oh, that means some things I know may not be true either, but mm-hmm. I will cross that bridge when I get to." It. Right. You know, it's like uh, when you grow up and like all the you realize like everything your parents told you wasn't necessarily like you know. <laughs> truthful same thing with like television it's like oh this is just not how things are same thing with like all the media that uh we consume it's like okay just be conscious that this is all for purely entertainment they're all just trying to sell you a product so it's like just take uh, what you can from it uh and then uh figure it out some some way else and like you know that's where like you know therapy or whatever people need um to to get that stuff I like that a lot. I think this is a great place to end. I think this was a really um, heartfelt um, confession, and I'm uh, really grateful you shared it. And Great, because I was going in was like, oh, no, what do I confess here? Oh, really? I mean, it's so, like, it, it's, it is great, and it's, I mean, not great, like, in the same way where you say you're grateful for COVID, like, you know, it's not, like, great that your, your dad passed, but in the way that it all came together and sort of you were able to spend this time, I think, and I think this um, is something a lot of people can, like not everyone has the um, tools to be able to speak so eloquently as you can. And I think that it will help them to hear this. And, you know, and I think you know, people, are, other people are going through difficult times and hearing your story and the positive stuff you came out of it with, I think will really help them. We'll see. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to tell people where they can follow you, find your stuff, uh, your comedy and whatnot? If, um, uh, like I'm mainly just on Instagram and Twitter at David Nguyen. Cool. Uh, and then uh, you can just check out Bad Asians. And then uh, 
that's it. <laughs> yeah, look, go listen to Bad Asians. There's um, it's there's a lot of great episodes. There's, yeah, check out Teresa's episode. Mine, <laughs> yeah. Listen to mine. Um, and um, you can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod and follow me at Larissa T on Twitter. And that's it. Thanks, bye.